You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone. If you are looking to tap into a cool new niche that you can take your private practice to six figures or more, check out my guy, Derek Collins, at courtmandatedtraining.com. He helps licensed therapists expand their practices by working with court-mandated clients. So if you are burnt out, Tired of writing notes, dealing with insurance companies, I highly recommend that you check out what Derek has to offer. He can show you how to get paid cash every day through court-mandated evaluations and classes like anger management, domestic violence, substance use, shoplifting, theft prevention, and more. This niche can be a breakthrough that you have been looking for. Go to courtmandatedtraining.com and watch the free webinar to get started. Remember, that is courtmandatedtraining.com. Hey everyone, you are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cassell, joined today by Jessica Klein, who is a double board certified sexologist and travel therapist, entrepreneur, TikTok influencer, and just really wonderful force in the industry. And I'm really glad to have you on here today. Yay, I'm so excited to be here to chat sex and TikTok and travel and all things. <laughs> sex, TikTok, travel, and all things. I think I just yeah. got the podcast episode title like immediately, <laughs> which is a relief. <laughs> um, you sh you know, I've been sh following your journey on social media and just seeing like the momentum that you've been creating. And it sounds like a lot of that has to do with not only like being yourself and being really real and front and center and being willing to talk about things that make some people really uncomfortable too. Yeah, yeah, I... You know, I met Terry Real and he said, in therapy, you should be yourself. Like the things that you go and talk shit about your clients to your friends or your colleagues, you should be saying to them. And I kind of just took that broadly. Like the things that I talk about with my friends, I put out there, my struggles, I put out there, my successes, my wins, um, I put out there and I get a lot of shit for it because people are like, Jess, you shouldn't brag. Is it because I'm a woman, I'm not allowed to brag. I'm not really sure. But um, I've just really gotten real over the last two years. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, I, I definitely try to follow the same model. And I think you're right, you do get shit sometimes for like, talking about the successes. But I think the flip side is a lot of people aren't willing to talk about the darker sides, the struggles too. And I see you doing that a lot. I, I give you a lot of respect for that, because I know that can be a vulnerable process. So, you know, Tell us about the wins. Tell us about the like the struggles. Like you're, what did you refer to yourself as the other day um, on terms of TikTok right now? You put something on your social media about like. Um, oh, something. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did yeah. you write? Um, so Mind Body Green, I collab with them quite a bit and they reached out to me um, and they called me the queen of vibrators on TikTok. I have not made a single vibrator video because those get taken down, but somehow I'm just kind of known as the queen of vibrators. So um, I'm going to add that to my resume. I'm going to, you know, instead of sexologist, it'll just be queen of vibrators and then I'll have an army. That 
Sounds good. And like that caught my attention, obviously. And like, I think what I was just telling you off the off the camera, like your bio actually reads really um, in an exciting way instead of like a boring resume type structured thing where you're like really naming like these experiences. And you've been doing a really you've been doing a lot of cool stuff. Like I was just looking at your bio and I was like, holy shit. So you are, you know, collaborating for like reality shows. You're like on men's health apps. You're doing all of these things yeah. that most therapists don't even know could exist for themselves in terms of their skill set as entrepreneurs in general. How did this all yeah. start? Yeah. Um, I was a traditional therapist for years. I wore sweaters even. Um, I think <laughs> I think everyone graduates with a little cardigan that they have to wear, especially if you're in Wisconsin. Um, and it was so boring. So I I just I just became myself and um, it really has expanded into like, uh, you know, my ADHD works for me. So in a way I can, I can collab and I can do this and I can do that and I can still have my practice. So it's been really helpful, but I really think it has been this like self permission to do whatever the fuck I want in my career, because there are a lot of therapists that will say that's unethical. Um, show me show me in the line, like where that's unethical. It might be different than your values, but by no means is what I do unethical. Do you run into that a lot? I see the unethical word being thrown around by a lot of therapists and not only the Facebook group I moderate, but mainly across the board. And I think you just hit on something so important. Like it may not be within your values, but that does not mean it's unethical. And I think that's really, really important to think about and kind of, kind of process because we're so quick to say like something's unethical if we don't agree with it. Yeah, it's usually just fear-based or it doesn't meet someone's values. And they're so used to saying ethics that it's like a quick go-to. Um, and I usually either just ignore that or I say, show me where that is. Like it might be different than how you view your career, but it's not unethical. Um, so usually I'm just very direct. Um, I think I've gotten to this point because I... My first career was in business and finance. So I have a degree in business before I went on to become a therapist. So I really approach my practice and my career like through a lens of business first. And I think many therapists are therapists first. And that makes them an excellent provider, but a shit business owner. Um, and, you know, they have a really hard time like projecting like what they could be because there's so much in the therapist role and as a caretaker for their client load instead of a visionary. Yeah, that's that's spot on. And I see that all the time in the therapist coaching that I do where you're so firmly entrenched in like this only this one lens and this one identity and hard to separate into the two camps of like, if you're going to start a private practice, you're a business owner, right? And like, yeah having to make sure that you can walk both lines and like you can still be a helper and a business owner and those both have to kind of connect in order to be a successful business owner otherwise you're going to burn yourself out because you either have some some poor boundaries around money stuff and struggling with like the the business side like i hear marketing sleazy networking sucks like I don't want to charge. And it's like, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. But if you want to have a business that runs and you don't, you know, ask yourself what's next after 15, 20 years of doing this work, right? Like then I think you really have to be able to understand that side of it too. 
Yeah, these these practices are essentially lifestyle brands. Um, they're to support our lifestyle. And so I viewed it as not only is it to support my lifestyle, but I'm going to pull my lifestyle into my brand. And that's why I'm on TikTok. Um, and that's why I'm out in the media. And that's why I'm, you know, I've got articles about sex positions and, you know, it moves away a little bit from therapy, but there's, there's good education there. There's good visibility there. I would rather be on TikTok providing really good quality content and education to everyone that is viewing that sort of stuff. And I've got, you know, millions and millions of views um, versus someone that's giving information that's inaccurate or incorrect or feeding into more of the hysteria. So, you know, so many therapists are like, oh, you know, like people are now self-diagnosing on TikTok. Who gives a fuck? Like, you don't need to moderate them. Um, but, you know, then join us, like rise up and provide good content as well. So that, um, you know, these people are hungry for connection and information. And what a way to be able to do it. I like that. And I think it's also there's some accessibility there if you are able to you know, kind of download so much information in such short little like spurts and clips from all of these people who are on the on these platforms. And you see like these two camps of either I'm going to embrace this and I'm going to like understand why this is important and powerful or it's like I'm really anti this and this is unethical and I, I just don't think therapists belong on this platform. And I think before TikTok, it was like therapists don't belong on Instagram. And like there's always these these debates, right? And ultimately, at the yeah. end of the day, I think we're seeing like a new wave of psychotherapy, which is really cool to see like, people leading the charge and be like, No, we can do things differently. And if I can give out really great information to the masses who maybe could not like pay for my services, or even are in my estate to work with me, I think that's a win in a lot of ways. And like you said, also helping your brand and image at the same time. Absolutely. Like the reason I'm on a male health app is because they saw me on TikTok providing um, fast, fun content specific to men about, you know, sex and sexuality. And, you know, so I acquired that contract. I make probably an extra $25,000 a year making like two videos a week. Um, my rate is like $200 a minute. So you know, I'm out of the therapist seat making information for a uh, you know, a, a male health app. And now I'm, you know, the resident doc for their program. So how cool, cool to be able to do that and better myself financially and, and time-wise and creation-wise. Um, and then also to be able to, you know, partner with them and provide really good education to all of their subscribers. That's great. I mean, and then when you say $200 a minute, like, it has to start getting you thinking about like if TikTok is going to create, you know, some some financial leverage, how do I start like actually qualifying and quantifying my rates for 30 second videos, minute long videos? Like that's not something I had ever thought about before. So it sounds like for you, this whole new like virtual era has really made your brand just elevate to a new level too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be on a platform and you're going to put your time and energy into it, please have a plan of how you're going to monetize that. Otherwise, you're just farting around on TikTok and um, you're lost in the sauce and suddenly you own a murder robe and a champagne gun. And you're like, what am I doing here? I'm 
Jess, I've lost money. I'm not making money. So um, like have a good plan of how you intend to monetize your time on those platforms. It's good advice. And I'm thinking about like some ridiculous shit that Dennis and Frank made on Always Sunny in Philadelphia when they're like trying to monetize merchandise at their bar where it was a shot, like shooting shotgun blasts of liquor into people's mouths. <laughs> but yeah, you're so right. And I had, um, I don't know if you know Jeff Gunther, but he owns Therapy Den. He's on TikTok. He's yeah. a big name on there. And we were talking about monetizing. And, you know, he said he turns down offers all the time, but he's got over a million subscribers and followers now. And like, I don't think monetizing TikTok was even on someone's radar, you know, obviously before the app exists, but in general for therapists. So really yeah. trying to conceptualize like, oh my God, I can use the skills that I have, the knowledge that I have, and also have fun doing it and make money. I mean, right. for so many people that feels, that doesn't even feel possible. I don't even think they can really start to understand how that could be a thing. So that goes back to what you said about Terry Real, right? Like being real with your therapy clients, being real in these situations, right. it sounds like that has actually really propelled uh, a lot of your career going this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, I think we are looking for authenticity more now than ever, especially post pandemic. I mean, are we truly post pandemic? I don't, I don't even know anymore. Um, I think it's just pandemic forever. Um, so I think people are looking for legit authenticity. It used to be like therapists felt like they needed to be up here. They needed to be perfect. They needed to be wise. They, they needed to never get divorced, all this sort of shit. Uh, and because they felt like their failure was almost a failure as of being a therapist. And I, th I think we've moved into a place where now we can share with authenticity um, and still be excellent, wonderful providers. So I think people are looking for that more now than ever. And, you know, it, it, it brings us back down with people working through their lives versus we're here and they're here and they got to pay for our services. And you get that one hour, that's it. Um, I think it just humanizes us. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on that. And I always have been. And I think that, you know, a lot of people will probably say and maybe to you as well, like, authenticity disclosure is self serving in a way. And I don't think that's the case. And I think that you're actually normalizing the human experience by saying, like, I'm a therapist, and I struggle, I'm a therapist, and I, you know, have experienced A, B, and C. And like, I have clients who reach out to me who listen to my podcast who follow my stuff and are like, this has really normalized and created a light at the end of the tunnel because if you're struggling and you're a therapist and you, you like are put on this pedestal, so to speak, then it's okay for me to struggle too. And like, that's, that's not uncommon or unnormal. And I'm like, unnormal, Jesus. Like, that's what I get for watching Ozark till three in the morning. <laughs> My brain is like moving so fucking slowly right now. But in reality, just like normalizing the experience. And I think that authenticity goes hand in hand with that and disclosure too, because again, you're breaking down these barriers and you're creating more accessibility by being yourself, by being open and by having these types of authentic conversations where clients can really like almost feel instantaneous connection and rapport with you before they've even almost met you or even had a conversation with you. Right, right. It, I used to feel like, you know, I think we all got out of school feeling like we couldn't disclose anything um pictures in your office well no you don't want people to know what you do or what you're like outside of this damn office you're not even supposed to drink coffee or mountain dew because you know psychoanalysis that says something all you get is a cup of water so it really was that we were 
you know, like a ghost in the in the therapy room. Like we truly weren't ourselves. And, you know, I've moved towards, you know, we talk about my kid. My my clients know about my daughter. They they ask about her. Their kids pop into our sessions. I see more cat buttholes over the last two years than ever before. Like we're in this together. So it's okay if you know things about me. Um, and as a sex therapist to you know, disclose more about my own sex life, like that is really freaking scary, but it normalizes the experience for others. It normalizes that we have these shitty scripts that we tell ourselves about sex. We have anxiety. We have all these sort of things. Um, Sex gets put on the back burner. Like the more that I talk about it in my life or, or what it's like to date, like the more that people can, can really see like, oh, you know, this this is normal and there are ways to get help around this. So, you know, I think like for me, TikTok has been like, it's curated, of course, content, but it's also like sharing my life with people. I mean, I really think of it like sex in the city. Like I show them my wardrobe. I show them my shoes. Like how much did we love? Like that was the four or it, it was like the other personality within sex in the city was like this, you know, fashion. So I, I bring them right into all parts of my life. And I think it's really fun. They get to, you know, I brag about my travel. Um, I cry about my travel sometimes when I'm stuck in Vegas and have to sleep on the floor somewhere. So it really, it's so different from how it used to be where I felt like I couldn't even have pictures of my family. Such a good point to kind of reflect on like what it's like to come out of grad school be told this is how we're supposed to move through the world. This is how we're supposed to be viewed to now where therapists are talking about sex on TikTok and like the transformational experience. I imagine that has to feel so freeing too. I I know there's got to be a major vulnerability there. And like, just knowing that like, I'm, be, I'm sharing myself with the world and I'm, I'm willing to do that because I know what the, the greater good is here. But like, it's got to feel freeing to just say, I can show up and be myself and really help people in a different type of way. Yeah, I, there was a really good, uh, you know, something that I read The like one of the bo- most debilitating things is image management. Like we're so therapists, like we're like managing our image all the time. And the more that we can just throw that out, the more like I think the more that it'll come to you, really. I, you know, I posted about my my own feelings about my plastic surgery and I, I had so many worries about having plastic surgery and um, I already shot a pilot for Bravo and I'm like, are they going to be upset if my face is different looking? Like what, what's that going to be about? But I had so many more comments or messages from people about how they've hid their plastic surgery or they want it or like they hate the way they feel within their body. And like, you know, I'm all about having a healthy body image, but I'm also like, if you want to change something and it feels true and healthy to you, um, you know, you can do that. So sometimes like my struggles actually open a window to a lot better conversations through people, but they still do it not out in the open. So it's still like they message me versus leaving a comment because they still don't feel like they can be bold and share anything. Such a great point. You know, the ability to show up in all parts of yourself and the good, the bad, the painful, you know, and it's not always, it's not always glamorous, right? Like there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's really painful about being an entrepreneur and a therapreneur and whatever we want to fucking call it these days. But 
having this following creating this like this brand i think there's such a mental disconnect like there's this cognitive dissonance in the therapy world of like again going back to both can't exist right like both can't be true and the fact that you're able to name this stuff that's really painful for you and really real for you and even discussing like this is the narrative inside of the head because of this messaging we've received right and then having people message you because they're like this really landed for me this was really impactful and i get that too you know like i talk a lot openly about <laughs> probably too much about all struggles that i've had but like more recently like being autistic always have talked about my gambling addiction and like when I write about that stuff and the pain that it's caused, but like also helping provide like this normalization process for people so that we can reduce that shame and stigma through our platform. Because yes, we are therapists, but we're also looked at as like successful business owners. So I know that I have a reach there and I'll get DMs, I'll get texts, I'll get emails where it's like, I can't put that out to the world yet, but I appreciate that you did because it allowed me to have that like, aha normalization moment of like, oh shit, it's okay to feel this way. And it's okay for me to feel embarrassed or shameful or like there's still a lot of stigma around it. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really powerful component of what you're doing, especially in, especially in the niche like that you're in because there's so much shame and taboo and stigma around sex still and it's 2022. Right. Yeah, yeah, sex and money, like broadly talked about but not intimately talked about um like you're not you're still not supposed to ask someone how much they make like why is that rude like um i literally asked my psychiatrist how much do you pay for that and someone was like that's rude you're not supposed to say those things and i'm like well, i want to know and so i'm just kind of like that but um you know i think we've started to talk about things in a broad way but we haven't really talked about what it's like in our lives, in our homes, you know, that sort of stuff. So sex and money is still something that's very closeted. Um, yeah, so I like, I guess I'm a rebel. I like talking about um, things that are taboo, things you're not supposed to talk about. Like every time I go to a dinner party, well, I mean, like I don't go to many dinner parties, I guess, but every time I socialize, like, and someone finds out what I do, like it's immediate, like people are approaching me and talking to me about it. Um, I was literally having a uh, surgery and when the, um, the person that puts you to sleep, anesthetician or what, I don't know what it is. Um, but she found out what I did and she literally kept me awake a little bit longer to talk about sex. The IV's in my arm. I'm laying here like this and, <laughs> and I'm just like, can you just like, let me go to sleep here? And she's like, found out what I did and started asking me like, what's the most common thing? And I'm like, good Lord, can I get a break here? So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty popular. Yeah. I guess that's the the flip side though, right? Is like there is a cost to this of being willing to kind of break the mold, so to speak, about things that people aren't talking about. Is that it's going to create that like interest and that excitement and that almost like, ooh, I want to talk to you about this thing because nobody else is really doing it. And then there you are like about to have surgery and answering questions about your profession. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some airplanes, I always lie. I am an accountant. I am this, I am that. Like you do not want to be stuck on a plane for hours. And someone finds out you're a sex therapist. Like there will be no rest. There will be no rest. No, I, I imagine not. Cause I've, I've been in that position before, just even as like, Oh, I'm an addiction and mental health therapist, or like I help therapists build their businesses. And then all of a sudden it's like, 
oh, fuck, eight hours of my life is going to be dedicated to like having a conversation with someone I can't get away from. Um, but I imagine that there's a there's an exhaustion process to that too. Do you ever feel like that? Because right now I've been feeling like the more following I've created, the more people want your time, right? And if you don't have good boundaries around your time, it can feel really, really exhausting as if it's like inescapable from this constant like pressure to respond or, you know, show up or or answer questions. Do you feel that way at all with all of the stuff that oh, you're doing? Yeah, it it there's a heaviness to being out there in this way. Um, and and I'm not the best with, you know, with my ADHD, like if I get a message and I don't respond immediately, guess what? You might be in the black hole now where you're never going to get a response from me. And it's not because I'm an asshole. It's just that um, if if I didn't write it down and make a list that I needed to get back to someone, like it's not happening. Um, or three months later, I might remember, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of rude of me to respond three months later. They might be in a whole new relationship. Who the hell knows? Um, so there is, I mean, you definitely have to have boundaries like you and and I think that people need to think about that before they even start, you know, to have this big brand is like, what are your boundaries going to be ahead of time? You need that foundation before it even happens. And I think people try to place a foundation after they've already gone somewhere. And it's so hard to break things back down and like work on, you know, the basement of your house essentially is what you're doing. So um, and I've always had it where I only see, um, I only see clients Monday through Wednesday. And then Thursdays are usually my content creation mode, um, doesn't always happen. Um, so I've really gotten into like batching stuff. My YouTube channel will be batch created, um, and that sort of stuff. So I started to like create a rhythm in my week and, and sometimes I fall off the place of the earth because that's just like, I mean, that's, and I, I come back three weeks later and I'm like, Hey y'all, like I've been gone. You know, they're just used to it by now. They have to accept me as I am because I am, you know, I am out there providing a lot of this stuff for free. it does take a lot of work for me to create, you know, videos that are on contents that people that are meaningful to people. So I think people really, are forgiving and very understanding. And sometimes we're harder on ourselves than we really need to be. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly said. And I imagine a lot of people listening to this have similar processes and feelings about like not being able to show up the way they want to show up. And I can resonate with the comment you just made about the foundation. And I am one of those people who did it the wrong way, because I don't think I ever expected to have any of this created um, or even have a following. Like, I don't think I ever it was just not in my um in my mirror two years ago and now here we are and i'm like shit i based a lot of this on being that responsive human being who like is always available and now i'm like i can't do that it's just too exhausting so like jessica just said if you are creating something if you want to create a brand think about how you're going to show up how you're going to respond especially if it's on tiktok because engagement is so important right so like if you're not engaging with people who are commenting on your videos or, you know, responding to things in the comment section, you know, you're trying to mess with the algorithm. You're trying to make sure that more and more visibility exists. And if you just go silent, it's really challenging to do that. And as your following gets larger, it's going to become more overwhelming at times. So having that structure to your week 
whatever way you need it is really important. Otherwise, you're like flying by the seat of your pants, switching roles throughout the day. And like that can feel really un unbearable too, especially if you are neurodivergent and your brain is like sometimes scattered in general anyway. Yeah, it's what's really nice about TikTok is, you know, what I said about image management, I feel like Instagram is image man management intensified. You are showing something really pretty, like you are showing the transformation, like it's fuck Instagram. Like, that's how I feel about it. I missed I missed the boat on Instagram a long time ago and they have penalized me due to my niche. Um, I'm always in the doghouse with them. So I'm just kind of like, fuck them. Um, what's really nice about TikTok is like, you know, like my nickname growing up was Messy Jesse. So um, it like I've tried to run away from that, but I am still messy. Like it's I'm 40 now, like embrace it. I'm a messy lady. Um, and I like TikTok because you can do it dirty. You don't have to be like all polished. It isn't about image management so much. It's about like fun. It's about like, what is like, I like this person. They're weird. And like, you know, like I made a video on how a company invited me to make lipstick and it was custom made for me. And then when I went to name it, they wouldn't let me have the name that I wanted because I wanted to name it Cunty. Um, because that's part of my brand. Um, and so we just like kind of argued over the name. Like, so I literally posted a video putting my lipstick on and then like renaming it Cunty. Um, I mean, you don't have to be out there making like these amazing videos like YouTube. Like YouTube is really specialized. Like you're really going for production value with YouTube. TikTok, like you can make it in your car and because you got the best lighting ever in your car. And so like ang angles are perfect. You take a song and like you talk like for 30 seconds. So I find that it really integrates well into my life and I'm very reactive. So like I'll see a trend and I'll be like, yes, yes, I'll do that quick. And I can do it quick versus like some of those other things. Like there's nothing quick about them. That's, that's such a good point. I mean, and I was thinking about that today, because, you know, I was making TikTok videos before you jumped on here. And I look like shit today. I have bad lighting in here at the moment, because I'm tired. But I'm talking about something that a lot of people want to talk about. And 30, 40 second videos, and then you're done. And then you move on to the next one, and you just give good content. And like you said, if you want to pull over in your car and just make one in your car, or whenever inspiration strikes, like you don't have to get home and set up your computer and like have everything really well organized. It's like, no, let me just talk about something that people are probably going to find interesting and engage with and then move on to the next one. Um, one question I asked several friends who are big in, on TikTok right now, like how much time during the week are you spending making videos? I, you know, if I'm reinvigorating my account, I like to do three videos a day and for at least a week. And if my account is stabilized, I try to have one video a day out there. Um, I do sometimes like repurpose content. Um, so honestly, it, it just depends. Sometimes I've got a harebrained idea where I'm like, I'm going to make something and I'm going to dance and I'm going to do an outfit change. Three hours later, I'm laying on the floor and my outfit change never worked and I, I dropped my phone and I cracked it. Um, so usually like simple is better for me on that platform. Sometimes I find something that I really put my heart and soul into and, and all of a sudden it doesn't even get any views. Um, so essentially you can do as much or as little as you want. 
That's good advice. I think some people feel like if I'm going to do something like this, then I'm going to have to dedicate all this time and build it into my schedule. And I think, yeah, maybe depending on what you want the outcome to be and the following to be, but ultimately it can just be like, yeah, I'm going to make a video a day or like you said, batching things. That's how I have to do it. Um, unless inspiration really strikes me, then I go down like that hyper fixation fucking rabbit hole where I get time blindness and all of a sudden it's like four hours later. But I do think that's important. And showing up authentically, like you said, like if you don't want to dance on camera, don't fucking dance on camera. Like if you want to be really serious and just talk about topics that are important to you, do whatever you want to do. But ultimately, if you do start to develop a following, put some pieces in place prior to developing that following so that you don't feel so overwhelmed that you don't feel like every Thursday from nine to 12, I have to make content. Like it's just not really how life works for a lot of us. And I think just sometimes that messiness is really the beautiful part of the creation process too. Yeah. Um, you know, my friend who I forced to start an account around the same time, she's got half a million followers. And so part of her content is answering some of the questions that are, that are, you know, the comments and, I mean, you could have a day, you know, a week's worth of stuff within a half hour if you're just answering questions. Um, so once you get a following and you've got something where people do ask you questions, you've got you've got content right there in place. All you have to do is be on camera and respond to it like talking head. Um, I have another person that I had start and she does it in her bathrobe. So um she found like people loved it when she looked like she was, you know, getting out of this, not getting out of the shower. That sounds dirty. Um, but, you know, like she was, she's got like her hair in a little turban. And so she doesn't wear makeup or anything. So it's really easy. So it doesn't have like, that's what's nice. It like it's dirty. It doesn't have to be planned out. You don't need outfits and you don't need to do all these, you know, challenges where you're, you know, swapping outfits and doing that. I mean, those are for you know, creator influencers that are putting, that's their whole job is really to create this content. Yeah. And again, that's so important for people to hear because I think so many people think that you have to do all of those things. And, you know, even in my coaching, if people don't want to show up on LinkedIn, don't fucking use LinkedIn. If you don't want to be on Instagram, don't use Instagram. Like do the things that feel creative and energizing for you. And that may change. Like you may be really into TikTok right now. And then a month or two later, you may be like, eh, this isn't really doing it for me. And that's okay. Like you get to develop your brand the way you want to develop it. But I do think at this point in time, there has never been a better time to grow your audience than a time where a, t a platform like TikTok exists because you just have so many eyes on that, that app all the freaking time. And, mm. you know, one concern of mine of downloading a TikTok app, I went almost a year and a half without looking at one. And I was like, if I download this app, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. I'm going to watch them all the fucking time like my wife does. And like, I have never done that, actually. I, I watch people who are doing things similarly to what I am doing so I can get some ideas. But I have never really went down that rabbit hole of like endless TikTok after TikTok after TikTok. So for those of you concerned about that, I mean, I am someone who gets really tunnel vision, hyper focused and like it didn't happen. So I just I just want people to know that, too. Um and I, I do like the like natural ability to just show up as you are. And I've tried to make those videos where you like switch outfits and do things like that. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is just not my style. I feel corny. Like, I feel like this is so forced. So paying attention to that too, I think is also really important. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that's why, like in the beginning, I think it's so important just to just put a ton of content out there because you'll find your style. You'll find like what an audience loves to hear about. And hopefully there's an intersectionality of both what they love to hear about and what you love to provide. Um, And then it just like comes together so nicely. But it is this is a real opportunity because it is organic. Um, I miss the boat on Instagram, like Facebook, like, yeah, that's great and all. But uh, Facebook also puts me in the doghouse a lot of times just because of my website. Um, So TikTok is a beautiful way to have a lot of growth um, easy right now. So I think that it's a really good opportunity for people if they're feeling like they want to up their visibility um, and they want to start you know, being out there and, and they want their, you know, they see the vision of what they could do with their brand. It is a brand. Like it's not just a practice. It's a brand um, for those that think like that. And so this is, I think it's a really good opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's definitely well said. And at first you are going to be messing around to see if any of your videos take off and any of your, you know, the way you're structuring them take off. And then once you find that really follow that rhythm and that kind of build around that, and a lot of the first maybe even month or two is going to be like, yeah, this didn't do much. Nobody really watched this. This didn't get good engagement. Trying to think about like, you probably have a list of 10 topics that you're really passionate about. And maybe it's one that you don't really feel like you wanted to have be the focal point. For me, I tried to do like private practice coaching, which is so fucking boring. Like I can make fun of therapists all day and how bad they are at running their businesses. That doesn't mm-hmm. help me with my audience. Um, and then like, imposter syndrome extraordinaire because it's every day of my life but in reality like what it came back to was like addiction focused stuff really being real about the experiences and then really real experiences about adhd and autism and that's just where i'm gonna throw myself into because those are the two things that have been major parts of my identity the majority of my life and i also think like being able to talk about it without the shamefulness that comes up around it can really help people who are just out there in the world, like looking for that hope or that optimism too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a a large, you know, a huge opportunity is like myth busting. I think that there's a lot of myths, especially about ADHD, um, spectrum stuff. And for me, sex stuff, there's so many myths out there that like, if we find an area we like to talk about, we can be, you know, we can be busting some of those myths. You don't, you know, the Madonna whore complex, you know, just because I talk about sexuality doesn't mean like I'm a sex worker. You know, it, part of it is like there's there's the rubber band where they think if I talk about sex, I must be easy. Um, all these sort of things, um, you know, with ADHD, you know, they think, oh, you have ADHD. You must be like this. Well, no, I'm actually, you know, like this. I, uh, I'm I'm not hyperactive. I actually am lost half of the time in my brain. Um, like, so it, part of it is like, this is what this is really like. And I think that, you know, you have that opportunity to be able to, out, to be able to be out there sharing that. I love that. I think myth busting is one of the most powerful like forms you can take on, especially as therapists who maybe want to start talking on social media platforms is like, you know, the information, like you have that knowledge. So putting it into play, and allowing yourself to be playful or silly or like authentic or real. And, you know, some of my most most engaging videos right now have been myth busting about autism and social socializing and like talking about that in a way where people are like, oh my God, like I've never considered that or I do experience life the exact same way. And 
those are the things for me that feel really powerful. And that may change in a couple of months where my ADHD takes over. And then I'm like, eh, I wanted to talk about this instead. So like, give yourself freedom to change, give yourself freedom to create. And like Jessica said, like, just if you feel like you want to batch things, batch things. If you feel like you want to be more spontaneous, be more spontaneous. Don't put yourself in a box, but just give yourself permission to try and also show up and be authentic. And I think that really makes a huge difference in everything that we're talking about. Yeah. And then like push yourself, like go for big things. Um, you know, when, when an MTV producer reached out to me, I was like, what the fuck? I don't What? Like, um, okay. But no one wants me on TV, you know, like push yourself to be out there. Um, pitching myself to big magazines. Um, you know, I have, I have a post, uh, like it really is. Um, you know, at 16, I moved out and then by 18, I was a dropout and homeless. And it, it's like, I went from like living in my car and reading Cosmo and now I'm in Cosmo. So I think it's like huge that, like I can pitch myself to, um, you know, book companies, um, magazines, uh, MTV, Bravo, like my, you know, our show, you know, about set working with celebrities is on the desk of Netflix. It's on the desk of Bravo. It's, it's all these sort of things. Um, and I couldn't imagine me three years ago trying that. I couldn't imagine me 20 years ago, like fighting to just stay alive and safe and not even thinking about a PhD, but literally I didn't even have my high school diploma. Um, but you know, now it's kind of like, I've just like really taken on like being a rebel and putting myself out there. And if I get rejected, I get rejected, but better that I tried than not. That's powerful. And I appreciate you sharing that too. And I think that's a really good message, you know, just trying because at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that happens? Like maybe there is rejection, maybe there just is no response at all, but you just never know when that's going to work out. Honestly, like even for sponsors on this podcast, people have said, how did you get sponsors so quickly? I was like, I don't know. I just ask, <laughs> like, I just put right. it out to these people who I've already had some relationship with and asked if they wanted to do it. And I think that if you prevent yourself from from trying or asking, you're really missing out on a lot of opportunity and and creating something for yourself that can feel really special. So really, really wonderful advice. Um, any last minute tips for people who maybe want to get involved in this or any suggestions in general that feel really helpful? Yeah, I would say, you know, have a plan in place. Oh, of how you're going to monetize so that it doesn't feel like it's another drain on your super important mental resources. Um, and whatever that may be, whether you're going to create a workbook or something like that, or you've got spots open um, within your practice. And then I think it really is like getting over that imposter syndrome. Um, I, you know, video is intimacy and everyone is looking for connection right now. So it really is like getting used to doing that and letting yourself suck at something new, I think is important. Um, former gifted child, like I don't like sucking at new things, but here I am sucking at new things. And through that, it can bloom into something really awesome and wonderful. Um, the final thing, like your network is your net worth. So it really is about connecting with others, connecting with other professionals, um, reaching out to people and 
you know, whether whatever platform you're on, whatever way you're doing business, I think that's one of the most important things is really how I get paid is collaborating through these other companies. And it's just relationship marketing. Very well said. Very, very well said. I hope everyone can take that in and take something away from that. And I appreciate you sharing that too. And, you know, that's a good point about collaboration. You wouldn't be here if I hadn't reached out to you and we wouldn't be sitting here talking if we hadn't become the world of COVID Facebook friends over the last two years. So like, it's one of those things that's just really important, just building relationships and collaborating and, and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. So I hope everyone can take that away. We're going to have a TikTok series on this podcast. We now have, that's our sixth TikTok episode. So, you know, the, the wave is here. You got to start riding it now. And I think it's important to kind of take advantage of, of the momentum. So uh, I just want to say thanks for coming on and just let the audience know where they can find you, especially on TikTok and anything else that you're offering. Yeah. So um, again, Jessica, a sex therapist, um, you can find me on my socials. Um, usually I'm just about sex. So Instagram and Twitter and all that sort of stuff. Um, on TikTok, I am the intimacy expert because you don't want to have sex in your title. Um, so find me on TikTok, follow me. If you want to see how I've been doing it, um, kind of get the lay of the land. I think it's a it's a good representation of some of the possibilities on there. And um, my website is JessKlein.com, C-L-I-N-E. You can check that out. Um, I've got, you know, some fun courses and stuff coming out about, you know, magically orgasmic and stuff like that. Um I don't have any TikTok trainings, but I did present at a mastermind and I could make that available to everyone if they if they wanted to do that. So I'll set up a quick email saying that you can um, just sign up to get view my presentation about how to use TikTok and some of those sort of um, foundational settings. So um, I'll send that to you, Patrick, and you can put that in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. All of that information will be in the show notes for everyone listening. I just want to thank you again for making the time. I know we're both kind of exhausted for different reasons and uh, it's been fun following your journey and I'm really excited to continue to see where that goes. And I hope the Netflix thing potentially takes off or any of those ideas. I think that's really cool. Um, and I just want to thank everyone for listening to the All Things Private Practice podcast on all major platforms. You can like, download, subscribe and share new episodes every Sunday morning and just doubt yourself and do it anyway. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Jess. You're welcome. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.